Hey, Chuck's brother. All right, let's start it up. Uh, episode 23 of Chaos and Conversation. Welcome, everybody. Uh, appreciate you jumping in. Uh, we are going to get started. What you can see in all that we have the Angry in the Bay, uh, Steve Kerr, uh, Steph Curry. It's, I think it's been the most outwardly they've been talking, uh, specifically with, and that's cool to see. Obviously, they're supporting everything with uh, Gary, with a GP there, uh, and Draymond and uh, his situation going on. And it's been cool to see Memphis not really caring um, and going. And so that'll be good for us to dive into. Then NBA playoffs, some of the questions we're going to have uh, for the uh, for everybody that will join today. Uh, one is Grizz confident or do they just not know any better? And then uh, I don't know if we know anything about the Bucks celtics series. And then trying to figure out who has the edge because I couldn't. I think there's two different teams and two different games, and I have no idea what's going to happen in Milwaukee this week um, or this weekend. And uh, Phoenix looks incredible. Will it last? Uh, because we know what happened last year in terms of the injuries. And um, is Miami fortunate and dangerous at the same time? Really don't know what we uh, what we see with them because they've been playing some injured teams. And uh, then we're going to talk about Harden. Does he deserve a max anymore? And should Doc be fired or she be given a pass because of the Joel Embiid injury. Uh, first off, once again, thanks to everybody who's able to join. Uh, Wheezy, um, you have been a proponent of following the Memphis Grizzlies while also being able to be a fair, how should we say, evaluator of the Golden State Warriors. Angry in the Bay, are you nervous about what's going to happen with uh, uh, with Memphis or is Golden State? you think that they still can be had on the road or had at home at chase? Yeah. So that's the, the big question, right? Like, um, I, I think Golden State, um, obviously like not just in these playoffs, but you know, regular season wise, like I've kind of maintained that they've been an average team on the road. Um, unfortunately, like the Grizzlies really, um, I think missed opportunity by losing game one. Um, the funny thing about that is though, like if they end up winning that game, you know, they played with such fire and such passion and obviously like aggression in game two. Um, like it's hard to say, okay, if they win that game one, they're going to come back and do that in game two and get another win. Because obviously, like, you would have to be dealing with, you know, a Golden State team that doesn't want to go down 0-2. <laughs> so, you know, I, I kind of wanted to say, like, yeah, like, they missed the opportunity by, by losing game one, which is true. But at the same time, like, you know, teams respond, you know, after that, as, you know, we saw with Memphis. So, um, but I don't know. I guess it kind of feels like, you know, going into chase, like, this is a young team. They've made a lot of mistakes. So far, they've been able to um, catch Golden State uh, in some discomfort and push them around a little bit. Um, you know, have some you had some inefficient performances from Clay, from Steph. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of how Golden State has been on the road. But to be honest, ML, like I don't have any confidence in the Grizzlies being able to necessarily win at chase but like 
I think the the Grizzlies are always going to throughout the series. They're going to play the Warriors tough. Um, I think in all the games, and you know that's just because <laughs> the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are a really good team, and they match up well with with Golden State. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they look without Dylan Brooks in Game Three. Um, no Dylan Brooks. Um, you know, first game, you know, like this on the road, like they kind of might spell blowout <laughs> for game three. I'm not really sure. Um, you know, they might be able to handle it, but um, I don't know. This is going to be a tough test for them. The Warriors just flat out are a different team and chase center. Um, but, you know, the Grizzlies have, have showed us a lot. And uh, if, if it ends up being like a big loss in game three, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, came back harder in game four, but I just don't know if it necessarily leads to a win. Okay. What's what's the series looking like after uh, going into Memphis for game five? Uh, I, I have confidence in Memphis winning that game. Um, I think it, it's ultimately Warriors in six. So, like, if, if Memphis loses these next two – with their backs against the wall, like I feel like they could they could win uh, a game five at their place, and then ultimately, you know, I think Golden State takes it in six. But yeah, that would that would be my my prediction for that. Okay, okay, Rob, what's been your feeling thus far? Are, are there resident Grizzlies fan? You more nervous that uh, Golden State is is this little chip on their shoulder? They're a little bit angry about what's been going on, or you think that the basketball will just be taking care of itself inside the lines? And how are you feeling about your boys thus far? Uh, I think basketball will just take care of itself. I'm not too worried about anything happening in game three in terms of like confrontations or rejections or anything like that. As far as the team goes, I am worried about Desmond Bain a little bit. He had that back injury. He was questionable before game two. You basically used as a decoy throughout that whole game. And that's what I'm concerned about because he was so great in the Minnesota series and really hasn't done anything through the first two games. So I am interested to see with these three days off what he will look like on Saturday. Jaron had a great game one, but... Game two, complete opposite. A lot of what we saw in the Minnesota series. So it's like, can't, is there ever going to be consistency with him in the series? John's been great, but it's like, can we rely on Zaire getting 14 again? D'Anthony Melton got 14 in game one. Can he do that again? Like, what's who's going to be the, the people who step up on a consistent basis? Because there really hasn't been that through the first two games. For his last series, there was that consistency. So I think the Grizzlies will take one of the two games this weekend, and it'll be 2-2 two, two going back to Memphis. But there is pause for, like, who's going to be the person outside of Ja to contribute offensively. Fair questions for sure. Ryan, what's going on, bro? It's good, ML. Been a minute. My guy, my guy. What have, what have been your thoughts? I know, obviously, you've been focused in on uh, the Bucks Celtics, but have you been impressed with the young Grizzlies as far? You think they got the medal to uh, get one in the bay? 
Um, I could see it. Yeah, I could definitely see it. Um, I definitely think though that Clay like being struggling like the first two games. Definitely expect like one of like those big like Clay games in um back in the Chase Center. Um, and they really didn't really have an answer for Jaw to be honest. Um, when he was like kind of just like dominating game two. So definitely expect to go back and forth, and then. I, I guess like the loss of Dylan Brooks to like chase and like kind of like bother Steph a lot is going to hurt them. Um, and then I think Rob talked about it. Um, surprised that Desmond Bain hasn't really found his rhythm yet. But I think Desmond Bain trying to get his rhythm back and then is probably going to be one of the X factors just to um, keep it keep it close. But um, definitely no Dylan Brooks is going to hurt them because I think Steph has been like like shooting wise like hasn't been like the stuff that we're used to seeing. Feel that. Uh, what SP? What are your thoughts? Do you think it's consistent on the on the suspension? Do you think it's because Gary Payton obviously got injured, not hurt, but clearly injured and out for three weeks? Do you think that had anything to do with it, or is this consistent to what the league does? Nah, like I don't think. Like even compared Draymond and Dylan Brooks, I think Brooks was worse. Like you could clearly see the intent. That's that, that was horrible. I think one game suspension was warranted. I think that's fine, even though it's the playoffs. One is appropriate. You thought based on the hit. Yeah, one game again. You don't want to take away too many games in the playoffs, so one game is fine. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So I would. I mean, I got us. But I, I thought he should deserve a suspension. That that there's no place. For that in the game, like there's none. Yeah, I agree. It's totally unacceptable. Wholeheartedly, and and I know that he's not a dirty player. I mean, yeah, he's. I'm not saying he's a dirty player, but he's a, dirty player. he's a physical player. No question about that. But, um, yeah, that I mean, you almost like somebody. for me, be physical as much as you want, except on a fast break. Like, if it's a fast break, it's an easy bucket. Just leave it. There's no need to play defense there. Play defense in half court. Play defense wherever. But on a fast break where the player is helpless, that's I, 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 there's no place for me. Again, you guys know I calculate euro falls, frustration falls, and all these things. It's like it's not the game. Fast break is just fast break. Just let it go. You didn't play defense or you turn the ball over. That's why the other team has a fast break. Just let it go. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that for sure. Uh, we're going to, Sean, you, oh, it looks like Sean's available to dive in a bit. Sean, I know you had said you thought a one-game suspension earlier this week was appropriate. Um, what are your, your feeling? How do you think Taylor Jenkins is going to approach the game plans and um, and what you're looking at for this weekend? Yeah, no, it, it, it was absolutely going to happen. Um, there there's no place for Dylan Brooks to do what he did. He, 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 he is a smart enough, good enough defender to hold on one second to, to not have gone into that situation like he did. The injury probably helped out with the suspension, but yeah, it was deserved. There's no place for it. Dylan Brooks is not a dirty player. He's a physical player. But overall, I agree. It, it, the one game suspension certainly is there, I, I, or the one game suspension is certainly deserved. 
this is going to be an opportunity for Zaire Williams to step up like he did in game two, and he delivered. But um, I'll have to step away. But Zaire Williams is the one whose role you'll see expand in game three. We appreciate you, Sean, as always, coming through. Uh, we'll get you back when you when you can. Uh, and also just saw that uh, Tennessee and Kentucky are tied in baseball uh, right now, two to two. So hoping the best for you on that front. Uh, Wheezy, uh, you had in our group chat, you said that Milwaukee and Boston might be the one. Uh, but within both games, I have no idea who has the edge right now. Uh, what do you think? What have you liked so far in this series? And uh, or how, what do you think is going to happen here? Weezy, there. I'm sorry. Was that to me? Yes. You mentioned uh, uh, in the group chat that uh, you thought that uh, you thought that this that the Celtics uh, Buck series was the one, and I have no feel of the game or games right now uh, thus far. But wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's great. Like I think those are like two really good defensive teams, and you have like. On Milwaukee's side, you're always looking for a guy like Giannis to like um, come up and I mean to come into a game and you know put on a great performance like he did. Well, he's done you know throughout the playoffs, but with Boston, like Boston showed in Game Two that um, you know obviously they can come and and with aggression and focus like you know um, handle Milwaukee. Um, and show that like their series over Brooklyn wasn't just a, f- a fluke. So I think it's going to be a, a really, really like in terms of the matchup. Like you have a superstar on Giannis, a superstar on Jason Tatum on the other side, uh, a Jalen Brown that's a star. You know, you know, not superstar, but like you know, very good. Um, you know, second second co-star. Um, Giannis is missing his co-star, but the Bucks are still going to be competitive. So, like, to me, like, in terms of, like, a series being evenly matched, like, I think Bucks and Boston is probably going to be the best you're going to get unless Philly is able to um, get past Miami. Um, and then you're going to have, like, the Embiid-Giannis battle, which will be interesting. Like, but if it's Miami, Bucks, like, you know, it's it's not really – I mean, it could be – a good series, but like I, I think, like if you add in superstar versus superstar, two teams who who defend well, two teams who have you know players that can put up points, you're not really going to find that um, in any other series besides this one. Um, I think Golden State Phoenix, like if that happens, like that would also be I think a really good series. But like again, um, I don't know. I, I think this is I think this is going to be a great one. Um, between Milwaukee and Boston, I'm, I think whoever wins this series could win it. Could win the championship. I'm there as well. I I, I actually I picked the Bucks to win to go back to back, but I think that the Middleton injury. Obviously, I think you're allowed to have some different thoughts, knowing that you we have better information now. I still think that well, whoever wins this series is uh, going to win the chip for sure. Uh, and I know that you've uh, come on here. I'm assuming that you've come in here to talk about John Morant, uh, if you'd like, or or the Grizzlies and trying to get under 
uh, Sean Skin, if you're there. And uh, what's up to you, Darnell? Good evening, sir. Hey, man. It's all, it's all peace, love, and happiness over here, man. I have nothing but respect for everybody up here on stage. I can't say the same. <laughs> Sorry. Can't say the same. <laughs> You see, nah, can't, can't say the same. Nah. Uh, I, I look. I just came up. We just left out of a good room with with, with good vibes. Even Sean popped into the room, said his two cents. Um, there were good vibes in here. Right. <laughs> so, or a couple of y'all but, showed up. There are plenty of good vibes in here. But go on, Darnell. But but John Morant is is definitely different. I, I I'll give the respect where it's due. Uh, he's definitely different. I don't know if they're gonna they're gonna be able to beat Golden State in seven, but they go give them hell. Um, as far as what you guys are just talking about Milwaukee and Boston, I kind of agree. I was just telling somebody this yesterday that the I think either one of those teams beats what we assume is probably gonna be Miami because Embiid is gonna be out, and we all know that James Harden is not that guy to take. Uh, Philly anywhere, so um, the Bucks or Boston will beat Miami, and then whoever comes out the West, um, they're gonna have a tough. I mean, Boston is is a tough matchup. If Middleton can come back from Milwaukee, of course, Milwaukee is is a tough matchup for people in the West too. I'm gonna have to disagree with you, Darnell, on that one. I like that um, take about the Grizzlies. The only thing is. Um, you know, with Dylan Brooks having some back issues, and uh, I just don't see them really. I do think it'll be competitive. I have the Warriors still in six, though, so I definitely think the Warriors can still come out of the e- the West. Excuse me, but the Miami Heat, I have them coming out of the East, just because defensively, as good as Boston has been, I feel as a system they can adjust quicker, and they can adjust better. And honestly, my defensive player of the year was Bam Adebayo. I think he can truly guard one through five. And out of all the centers that can pick up on guards, Bam is the best perimeter big man defender in the NBA, in my opinion. And he's definitely a great matchup on Giannis. Nobody can guard him. But if you're looking at Giannis's shooting metrics against Bam, Bam, I think he holds them just under 36% from the field. So I have Miami, especially because of their depth and the reemergence of Victor Oladipo as well. I have Miami coming out of the East, and they're possibly going to play either. I think they're going to more likely than not play the Warriors, but I think they could, might have to match up against the Suns. So I think the, the Heat are guaranteed for me out of the East. Guaranteed? Yes. That's my – yes. In my opinion, I have the Heat. Yes. Okay. All right. That's an interesting take there. SP, what have you uh, – well, back to uh, the Celtics and uh, the Bucks for a second. Just want to get your thoughts on what, you, what you've what you liked out of Boston and then uh, Udoka is making uh, some adjustments. Or is this a typical bug game that we have just like you had with the Bulls in game two? Yeah, I think this is like even after the first game, like I, I thought this series would be close. It never was going to be a Bucks sweep after the first game. Like many people said, Bucks will sweep. It's like, nah, there's no way. 
Celtics are too good for that. They are too good of a defense for that. And Bucks really miss Middleton. Uh, I'm pretty sure this series will go six or seven games. It'll flip flop. I think it. It will be alternate. I think game three will be the Bucks. Game four will be the Celtics, and so on. I don't know who will win the series. I think the Bucks will at the end, but um, it's so close because. There are clearly things which Bucks can improve and they can exploit Celtics. Especially, do you think Smart is playing Game 3 or no? No, you think it's Smart going to play in Game 3? Yeah. Uh, it's Saturday. I think we're going to know more. I bet if it was a deciding game, he would have been trying to, he would've, they would have given him a shot of some sort to try to get him going. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what the reports say. Ryan, have you heard anything? Oh, I was going to say. Um... It's not like confirmed. It'll be like probably we'll like no more on Saturday. But like he'll probably try. He'll tr- obviously try to um, get on the court for Saturday. All right, that's what's up. What SP? What were your thoughts if that was the case? Like this series is so close. Like Smart will obviously make an impact. So <laughs> like, what do you think? Uh, like from a coach's perspective, like what do you think the Bucks can do better in Game Three? Like, what do they do? Like they didn't come out really well in the first eight minutes. I think that's what cost them the game. Like, even though if you see the rest of the game, if you remove the first like five six minutes, it's almost even. But they lost the game. Do you think at in their home court they'll come up with energy? And I think it'll be a close game, but. What do you think the Bucks didn't do well in Game Two? Well, I I think they got to actually Ryan. You want to go first on that front? Yeah, I mean, I thought actually the Bucks like in the first in the first uh, part of the half of the game, like um, they Celtics had like a lot of like good help defense to like you know um, a lot of more clogging in the paint to like cut off like any like clean driving paths for Giannis, and then. The third quarter, like, I think Giannis had, like, 18 points. So, like, some adjustment was made there where, like, he got more favorable matchups. But I feel like when he's going into Grant and then Horford's waiting for them, like, that's a turnover or, like, a, just, like, a bad lay- shot. And then, like, when he's gotten it more downhill in, like, space um, in the third quarter, like, that's where he was most effective. And then I think they were, like, running some, like, dribble handoff that, like, in that, like, whole third quarter, like, I thought, like, the Bucks really – like kind of like it found something that was working, but um, they just like I, like there was just no spacing or any like thing for anything coming clean for um, Giannis in like the first half. What I what I noticed SP is Giannis needs those thirty percent to fifty percent possessions of where he can get in transition to kind of get him in a rhythm. Uh, he was not very good in the half court. And that's a lot because the Celtics defense was very good. And Grant Williams is actually moving laterally very well with him, but strong enough to take that like kind of first bump. Giannis is really, really good at dipping that shoulder and creating a little bit more separation. And the refs give him a little bit more latitude. You can tell in the playoffs they did in, uh, in the first game they did that. So uh, if the Celtics are making shots, I mean, it's not about like, hey, they score more. Of course they win. That's not what I mean. If they are hitting shots to where it prevents, let or to where it equals to less opportunities for the Bucks to get out in transition, uh, half court wise, they just don't have that guy in Middleton of where they can go a Middleton Giannis uh, 
pick and roll situation and be able to attack. You can be able to hit more mid-range shots, uh, especially as a counter to the coverage that the Celtics are doing. So that's what I'm seeing. Uh, that's what the Bucks will need to have. And usually teams just play better at home. Um, and Boston was, I mean, they were desperate. And they are, they, it was, but they had very, very similar shots. That's one thing that I'm encouraged about. They had similar shots that they had in game one. They just didn't want to make them in similar shots in game two because Bud will let you shoot the three. Oh, ML, one more thing I wanted to add is like you also notice like um, game two, the Celtics attempted like 20 more three pointers than the Bucks did, which I thought like, I don't know, they're running the shooters off the line. So like the attempt, the amount of like three point attempts, like, was like significantly down compared to game one. So I thought that that was also an adjustment um, the Celtics made on game two. Cause like, you notice like the, in like that, like Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen and that, um, they had like that momentum swing in like the second to third that uh, from like role players that kind of put the game out of Celtics reach in game one. Yeah, no question about that. That's a great, that's a really good point for sure on that front. Uh, Ryan, are you, do you have second thoughts on, now that Middleton are is will it be seen as I don't think I've got to ask you this will it be seen as a um, a failure maybe strong word but not a success if the Celtics don't win the series um failure could be like it could it, it could be a failure because like that like that's as good of an opportunity you're gonna get against the Bucks team um but then um, it just depends on how they lose to be honest and then that's how I feel like but yeah. Uh, Disappointment, um, and I in like failure probably if like they get like completely like mollywopped um, the next few games, but it would be disappointing for sure. Because like you like you, like their second best out player is not playing or one hundred percent healthy, or not like one hundred percent, but like you're solid. Also, um, another point that um was brought up that I really found was. A really good point. When you were talking about Giannis is not great in the half court game because I did notice a lot of the times when Grant Williams was guarding him and he was primary defender. You see a lot of times Giannis is back. Who, who was guarding him? Who? Who? Grant Williams. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Zane shot is uh, a University of Tennessee al- alumnus, uh, so he he loves himself some Grant Williams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I love Grant. I remember watching him at Tennessee, too. They were talking about how smart he was. He was all – I think he was the all-SEC first-team academic team. Yeah, I remember him at Tennessee. He was part of the draft class with uh, Romeo Langford, uh, Taco, yeah. and uh, Carson Edwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way I described Grant Williams then when he was playing college basketball was he was Anthony Wright with a clue and actual talent. That's how I described him. <laughs> Oh man! I don't know if Ant's yeah. there. We just, he's got to may have to text the bet on the side. We'll see. Yeah, no. Nah, but when Giannis was getting guarded by him, I noticed a lot of times he'll back it about the half court and then go into his uh, you know, into his bag where he's now just attacking you and trying to hit you with either a euro, but or just trying to bully his way to the rim. So Giannis. Yeah, he's not. He, I think that's really what the uh, the Celtics have to do, and then probably have to flow Robert Williams down there just to contest Giannis at the rim, or have Al Horford 
just to put an extra body on him. You gotta bump him on the momentum. And another thing I feel like the Celtics need to do is they can't fall in love with just the bad shots because that's what really almost surged the Bucks' comeback when they were on that 10-0 run. And that's when uh, I think Jalen Brown had lay up and then Jason Tatum just started going crazy from the three-point line. But it's really just about the Celtics not falling in love with jump shots. If they can just manage the game better with their shot selection, I think they'll be fine. And that's really the, just the things they got to do for the rest of the series. Yeah. Zane, who, who wins the series? Who wins the series? Um, That's tough. But, um, you know, I, I picked the Celtics originally just because without Middleton and if the games are close, Middleton's always the Bucks' closer. I don't see Giannis as a closer just because. And I think the Celtics just overall depth-wise are a better team. So I'm going to have to go with the Celtics with the uh, Eastern Conference Finals bubble rematch. Okay. Sean, let's dive in there. I know we just saw you go green, brother. Go ahead. Yeah, now I think that a couple of things that stand out in this series are, um, you know, I I think that there is a bit of a value added for Mike Budenholzer against, um, is it it Aime Udoka? Is that how you say his name? Forgive me if I'm horrible with names. But my point is, is that you've got a coach coming off winning a championship with a coach who's in his first year. Now, with Udoka, that's not the same as most first-year coaches. He's got plenty of experience. There's not been, even with uh, Brad Stevens, there's not been a Celtics coach in quite a while who is immediately committed to an identity that absolutely worked for this Celtics team and got everybody to buy, buy into it. But I do think the Budenholzer, you know, has a bit of an advantage, especially when it comes to being able to make adjustments. The thing that stands out to me, and I wrote it about um, – uh, wrote about it in my prediction for a uh, uh, multiplicity media group is the thing that stands out to me is do the Celtics prevent another player from stepping up and standing out for the Bucks besides Giannis, besides Drew holiday. And, you know, Brooke Lopez had an excellent game one, you know, uh, 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 Grayson Allen had a great supporting, you know, effort in game one. How, consistently can the Celtics prevent that from happening? I think that that's going to be the key. And I think Budenholzer has a bit of a, you know, job in front of him, but he's fully capable of of being able to uh, make adjustments if need be. I still say Celtics in six or seven, but I think that one thing that we're seeing may have a bigger impact on this series is that Budenholzer does have the ability to make adjustments to where even if you consider them role players, they can step up and be good supporting stars for um, Giannis. Wholeheartedly agree, brother. Couldn't agree more. Oh, interesting. We just got some interesting news. Maybe Ant. Ant, are you there? I've been here. What's up? What's up, brother? Just you see, uh, Sean was talking about Grant Williams there. Didn't know if you uh, heard the comparison on that front. Oh, I mean, you know, Sean is Sean. It's a tad bit slow, so I let him talk about things. I. Uh, Okay, I, I'm sorry. Let's 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 jump into this a little bit. Let's dive in here. And when you say slow, do you mean a physically, b mentally, c? Well, I don't know what comes after c. So a or b? Well, there you go. All of the above is c. Man, don't ask you, darn it! Shut the hell up with respect, please. <laughs> what? <laughs> And you will refer to Darnell as Crawfish. 
Uh, I will refer to Darnell as fan of Super Bowl champion Rams, and that's and he'll like it. So there we are. That's King Crawford. Detroit Rams. Detroit. <laughs> that's lovely. I, I have no idea. It's the Matthew Stafford Rams. Put some respect on my quarterback's name. That's mm, I, think it's, I think it's Detroit Rams. I think Caleb it's Houston playing for the balls with the money. Hello. Oh, oh my gosh, you were, uh, uh, I'm not listening to that. And, nope. No, no basketball talk. Nope. No, nah, he can. We can dive in. We got we got some of the we got the expert in the building. And oh. did you just hear this? Uh, bits bits and pieces. Bits and pieces. I'm more interested in uh, has has Thad found a third assistant yet? I saw Deebler. as in Coach yeah, Mata. I saw I saw Deebler was there and Odin was there. Oh, so they're G. Yeah, we have a Dobo that'll be announced tomorrow. A Dobo that'll be announced. Do you need a Do you need a GA? Do we need a GA? I don't know if he's going to yeah. have one. I think he's as Deebler and Odin as analysts um i'll have to uh and coaches like i don't think oh they will not recruit unless on campus obviously uh but uh coach raglan uh coach piguez and coach kewick are the three assistants okay and then he's hired some more support staff if they need a ga i got a guy hit me hit me on the text all right. and, uh, and as you saw, we just got Mr. Jalen Thomas and Manny Bates. But well, that's another conversation for another time. That's another conversation for another time. We will talk about that Mata era very soon. Uh, very soon. Uh, however, let's uh, let's transition if we can. I am Phoenix. Yesterday, I just I, we were just kicking it uh, before we started the uh, the, the, uh, the show here. I thought their fourth quarter was the best best set of basketball I've seen in a long time. I think Dallas had cut it to four at one point, and then all of a sudden Chris Paul just went absolutely berserk, and then he went to go, then he went to the bench and rested up, and Devin Booker made sure that they both could rest the last three minutes and thirty seconds. Uh, that was a blitzkrieg. I think Dallas didn't know what to do. Uh, is the moment? I'm not saying the moment. I don't think the moment is too big for Luca. That is, he is a obviously uh, in terms of European champion. Uh, however, Dallas looks outmatched and I'm not, but yet Phoenix is really, 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 really good at home compared to what they do on the road uh, for matchup purposes. Uh, Weezy, let's have you go first. And Sean, is this series, is this series over? Dallas Phoenix is over for sure. Not enough. It's because, um, because Luca's healthy, Max. Just say it. <laughs> what? Yeah, there's just not enough from the supporting cast, um, and you know, people may not like it, but I mean, Phoenix is kind of playing into. Uh, I mean, Phoenix is, is is putting up a good strategy. They're letting Luca kind of do whatever he wants, um, and they're making sure no one else goes off. Um, now, I will say that, like. I will put a caveat on the fact that, like, I don't think Luca has necessarily responded well to the environment in Phoenix. Like, you saw him getting into it with the fans, and I think maybe in at home, like, I'm I'm curious to see how that looks a little bit different. Um, 
and maybe like at home, you know, a lot of times role players play better at home than on the road. So like, I I will say, I, my opinion is it's over, but like with a caveat that like let's see how this game three looks in Dallas, um, and I wouldn't be shocked if if they were able to pull one out. I don't think it'd be like a sweep. I, I think it could probably be like a gentleman sweep. Akeem, I just saw you in the uh, notes there, uh, or, or in the text that you had asked about, or that you mentioned that Chandler Brunson uh, is basically missing uh, the milk curtains and Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, appreciate you coming on today, by the way, brother. I want to get your thoughts on uh, what do you think Dallas needs to do in terms of incorporating them a little bit more? Uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me up. Um, I don't know what more Dallas can do besides, you know, Jason Kidd has to find ways to get those two guys going because in my mind, the only way you beat the Suns is, you know, I don't see anybody stopping them. They've shot 50% plus from the field in every single playoff game. They just shot, what, 64%, 65%. You're going to have to outscore this team. So you got to find ways to get those other guys going. Um, I think, you know, all year long we saw Dallas play a slow pace and kind of now it seems like, they're okay with playing up tempo. And I think that's also something they have to do because if you're playing consistently against that set Suns half court defense, you know, you're not nine times out of 10, not going to have a lot of success. So probably continue to speed things up, find ways to get Dinwiddie and Brunson um, more involved. Love that synopsis there. Sean, are you there? Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Uh, what are you seeing with the Suns, uh, brother? I just that I agree with the team. Uh, they they are a well well oiled machine right now, um, and it, Dallas just doesn't have enough talent. It's like basically, um, what Phoenix is simply doing is, is they're just playing the smart game. They're going to allow for Luca. They're going to make him work, but they're going to allow for him to find his success. But the key to Phoenix is they're not letting anybody else find success. Like, you know, none of the contributing pieces for Dallas, especially Jalen Brunson, are, are coming anywhere close to the level that they need to for uh, an A to or a B to Luca's A, like the Suns have with Paul and, and Devin Booker. And so there's just there's not enough horses in the stable for Dallas. Um, and that's what I thought would show up in this series. And a bit there's one team that had the ability to exploit that. I think it was Phoenix. But yeah, the offensive efficiency and just the overall weapons that Phoenix has it's very hard for Dallas to be able to make it happen. Right now, Phoenix is showing their true talent differential in this series, which in my opinion makes Dallas the fourth best team in the West by a good margin. Um, they're showing up like it right now, and, and Phoenix is exposing it. I, I I think it may go five at best. Okay. All right. So, Sean, while, we're, I, while I have you here, and we'll speak more on the offseason, or excuse me, in terms of the offseason for some of the playoff teams, but I'm – I've been reading a lot that like Luca doesn't have enough help, et cetera, et cetera. Who's the most ideal number two next to Luca? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I, I don't really. I think it's a front court shooter, um, and I think that's a reason why they went and got Davis Bertans to to be some sort of version of that. Um. I mean, let's look at the guys out there. A couple of guys that could make sense. Like, could you potentially – I don't really know if going to get a Gordon Hayward makes sense when you've already got Davis Berton. 
is fine. Now, I don't know if he's a $25 million player, but I, I don't necessarily know if Gobert is the best option. He may be the most talented option they because at some point, Utah probably just wants to move off that contract for the sake of moving off that contract. So they'll take less assets to move off Gobert. Um, but, I mean, a true 3 and wing, maybe someone. But I don't think there's going to be as many names out there that people are really looking at making sense. And so perhaps Gobert is the best option. But I, I would think more of a not necessarily more of an off-ball threat scoring where you're not taking away from Luca having the ball in his hands, an off-ball scoring threat that also can excel on defense. Um, that That's probably going to be the best option. I don't have any names off the top of my head right now, but that, that's the player pro An elite two-way wing player, right. So like he needs someone like – he needs someone who's like a step below a Jason Tatum or like a step below a, like a like a uh, Kawhi, someone like that. Uh, he is absolutely food. He's breakfast, lunch, and dinner on the defensive end. Uh, I saw my guy Akeem said Luca needs help. I'm like Luca needs to help help himself by getting into better shape. Um, so like so he's able to not necessarily become like a defensive savant, but he's got to be able to just just hold serve where they can't run the same concept, what, 40, 50 times right at you? I mean, you have you have to force them to, to do something else at some point. Um, but allowing, what was it, 1.72 points per possession? Like, you are literally a traffic cone. Literally. Actually, a traffic cone may have done a little bit better a tad bit a tad bit better like what he was defensively was absolutely abysmal like he had 35 on 59% shooting and nobody cares because he gave up 86 points in the PNR so like he needs to help himself before we're talking about who who needs to play alongside him he needs to get in shape first so people can know exactly who to play beside him because who he is now is not someone who is going to be able to win you games uh, when, when like, he's at his ultimate prime in, you know, three, four years. And let me ask you a question. Out of all the superstars in the NBA, you know, I don't see that many of them being able to stop each other, so it's really an offense league. I feel like the supporting cast is who you want to be. Who gets? Who has gotten picked on like that? Like, like, like that was some like. Yo, yeah, just got go picked on. on. Go Superstars go get picked on, on all the time. Like that. Trey Young got picked on. Akeem, hold on a second, real quick. Hold on, real quick. Is Trey Young a superstar? You just said that Trey superstars get picked on. Trey Young's a above average all star, upper tier. No. I'm I'm a, I'm a super fan, so I'll let y'all have nah, that. <laughs> no, nah, I'm asking for real because I I'm very interested about this case here because what you can. I do like Trey. I do like Trey ML. But when people talk about Luca being in the top seven in the league, no, none of those other top gotcha. seven are absolute food. I mean, people try to go at Steph Curry, and Curry does give up some, but he holds serve enough to where they can't just cheese the same play over and over and over again. Curry held Ja to 0 for 11 in game one. 
So Curry and like people for Curry is underrated in my opinion defensively. He's not great, but yeah, good he's also older than these guys though. He's older than them. We're talking he's ten. He's nine to ten years older than these guys. So in his body, he's yeah. gotten better. Pause. Um, like he, he's de- he's developed a lot more. So. <laughs> Right, but like we would put Steph in that top seven. We we will put Luca in that in that top seven. We put Giannis right, KD, Kawhi still, in my opinion. Um, you know there there are some pretty good players in that top seven. None of them are none of them are food like this. Is Jokic there? Is yes, Jokic there? Jokic is not food either. Jokic is absolute food on a perimeter. They take him out there every time, and he's food. Jokic is not food. They they do not go at him with multiple concepts because Dude. measurable wise he Dude. does have what a seven three seven four wingspan. I mean he he is able to hold serve at times. Like that's where Luca's got to get to. Past, He's got to get to that point where like they can't cheese the same play over and over and over. This is like like uh, playing NCAA fourteen and like all you do is run. A speed option, like if you know how to do it, you don't got to do any anything else because it's almost impossible to stop. Like that's like when they what what they were doing to Luca, they were literally running the same play over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Like that is that doesn't happen to anyone. That doesn't happen to anyone who is at the level that people got Luca at right now. I'll tell you, I've seen Jokic get picked on. For the past two or three years, Denver's been terrible pick and roll defense. Between that and if you get him on a switch out in space on the perimeter, it's a bucket. It's simple. I'm not saying they don't go at him, but what we saw, Luca, they dialed him up 40, 50 times in one game. Like that is, ne- I have never seen that. And it was deliberate. It was like it was it was del- it was almost trolling. It was almost like trolling levels of dog. We are playing two on one in this pick and roll every single time, and that's all they did. I have never seen Jokic get put in that throughout four quarters like that. I don't know, maybe uh, because I seen Jokic exhausted from from being put in all those actions on defense that they're putting them in on the bench and doing everything on offense. In the same way that Luca's doing, so I don't know. Yeah. But but he does he he does offer he does offer a little bit of resistance due to his measurables and the way he he understands angles. Luca doesn't have the measurables to be able to erase or just get in the way just a little bit. He doesn't have it, so like that, that's why I just think he's got to change his. He's got to change his body up some, just a little bit, just a little bit. Who are we talking about? Are we saying that Luca has got to make changes himself? Oh yes, oh absolutely, yeah. he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, in terms of the ability for his body to be in better shape for him to play defense, well, I also think that the way his body is gives him some advantages on the offensive end too. But he's got to find a way. I'm not saying, yo, lose 30 pounds and get cut up. All I'm saying is he's got to get his body to the point where that, like, what happened against the Suns, 
cannot that cannot happen. That just can't. If you are a top seven player in the in the in the world, that cannot happen to you. That's all I'm saying. Like he's a guard, top guard, one of the best well, guards in the league in the world. What happened last night, giving up what eighty six points in one concept, cannot happen. Well, and the thing that I'll say is this is that something that's helping the Heat right now, for instance, right? They were they were saying that Philadelphia was doing their best to try to target and hunt Hero, but Hero was holding his own. Um, speaking from the Grizzlies' perspective, John ja Morant is holding his own. I'm not saying that John ja Morant is, is a difference-making defender. He's certainly not. But in eight games, he's got 15 steals. Um, teams are typically um, – they're basically – not necessarily hunting Morant, but he's doing a good job of not fouling. He's good, doing a good job of using his quickness to stay in front of players. But the, the point that I'm getting at is, is to your point, Ant, is that Morant isn't necessarily just a clear liability. He's not giving back 80% of what he's doing on offense by playing, you know, just completely porous defense. So you're right. It makes a difference. Your best player, your superstar, doesn't necessarily have to be – um, a defensive difference maker, they've just got to make it to where they're not giving back on defense what they're providing on offense. And one thing that's working out for the Grizzlies is Ja, thankfully, is not doing that. Yeah. 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 So, like, I'm not trying to, like, pick on Luca or nothing, but, like, we can't talk about him in one light and then give him passes for what happened against the Suns in, like, in the next breath. You feel me? Like if we, we were talking about him as being like a, you know, top 40, top 40 player, but between 20 and 40, you know, it's whatever. But we're talking about like generational player, like top seven, like that just can't happen. Go ahead, Sean. Okay. I, I, I'm good. And let's hold that thought. I think that we will be back very quickly to discuss the Mavs and the, their offseason. Because I, I think they need to have a plan afterwards because you don't want to miss out on what we're seeing here. But we also, it could be two and two tied up because sometimes the Suns just are not as good on the road. Uh, but uh, we will see. Uh, I, it is very interesting because they will play they play tomorrow and uh, get ahead of things before on the Saturday now that they, they got the schedule correct. Uh, which is why you're not seeing any basketball today. I'm, I'm going to say one more thing, Michael, about it. At the end of the day, the plan for the Mavericks is this. You don't have a lot of assets, so you, you go after what you can take on. You take on a difference maker that another team doesn't necessarily want, and that circles back to Gobert. And the strategy there at that point is that basically the Mavericks are going to go with or their their deck that they're going to deal is going to be – we're going to throw out who we feel is a top three offensive player in the league. And we're going to back it up with what potentially could be the number one defense in the league. That's probably going to be the, the best option for them. I would think, you know, Miles Turner is not another bad option, but uh, you know, he's coming off an injury at the end of the day. I understand that 40 million may be, may be too much for Gobert, but also at the end of the day, if, if the Mavs consider their championship window to really be the next two years, I mean, at the end of the day, Miles Turner is a good defender, in my opinion. He's not to the level of Gobert. 
Gobert may be the best option that you've got to go with something that relatively makes sense, a top three offensive player with the potential top three defense. All right. All right. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens this offseason, which is maybe here sooner than later, but uh, we'll definitely check that out. Weezy and uh, Weezy SP and Sean. Um, let's go in that order if we can. Doc Rivers, James Harden. Are they both gone uh, from the organization next year or is who's more likely to stay? Uh, James Harden. You can't give up on the trade that quickly. Um, so, yeah, I would say James for sure. Like, I think the Philadelphia brass is going to try to do what they can to make that work for another year. Um, and you hope that with the growth of Tyrese Maxey, uh, maybe you kind of, you know, try to <laughs> get through to Harden in terms of kind of coming in and being more physically prepared for the season next year. And then, of course, Embiid. I think you you want to keep that core. It's hard to find a good core like that in the NBA. So I would say that for sure. Doc, um, I I would say is more likely to either be let go or, or leave. Um, I, I think the Lakers' job would be something that would pique his interest um, – but, you know, who knows? But I, I would say Doc for sure is, is much more likely to 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 be gone next year. Glenn. He's gone, isn't he, Keen? Yeah, I don't know why we're still calling him Doc at this no, point. No, I, I can't read a new name. It's Cardiors. <laughs> what does he say? Get SP? Uh, Repeat that. What did you say about Doc? Call That's wild. He's wild. He's crazy for that. Uh, yeah, I don't know why we're calling him Doc anymore, too. Uh, he's clearly been struggling. Uh, and I, I just didn't understand. Like, they will make these runs, and then they just lose it all in the fourth quarter. And, yes, I don't think they have their best play. Obviously, them not having the best player. And there's rumors that Embiid's going to be named the MVP on Saturday. That's kind of tough to do that if – <laughs> he's not going to play, and they've already ruled him out. I mean, you just don't think they they give him any pass at all with Embiid being injured, and that yeah, that can be anybody. Anybody jump I think in? Embiid is going to play. You so, do? I thought he just got ruled out already. We've seen this before with uh with Devin Booker go from ruled out to questionable and playing the game. Yeah. And ESPN did just say that it's growing. It's more growing possibility that he will. He's going to get the MVP too, watch. On Saturday. Yeah. I think he's going to do what Shaq did. And, you know, indeed, this might not be the most best piece of information, but I do know that indeed takes what Shaquille O'Neal says very seriously. He says he listens to what he says. And on Shaq's recent podcast, he did say that a lot of times that when he was hurt, he would just, you know, load up on the painkillers and actually play through it just to make sure that all the uh, fans knew that he would play through anything and that he didn't want to disappoint anybody. And I know Joel Embiid listens when Shaq speaks, and I think he's going to do something similar, personally. 
that'll be interesting to see. That may could extend the series. That'll be uh, just because I want to see how um, how Spo is going to be able to defend him because Bam can't guard do guard him one on one. Just too small in my opinion. Uh, but you know, we definitely it'll be interesting to see on that front. Uh, and I, Harden. Obviously, I think social media is getting a, a little very involved right now and he has some thoughts. And is he he's aging worse than any of the I would say the first original OKC big three? He's aging the worst out of all of them. At, actually, in fact, you clearly can Russ still gets by people. He's not clearly as skilled, that's for sure, as a shooter, but he still gets by people from time to time. But Harden just out there is some he is becoming more of a, almost like a glorified second or third option right now. Maxie's passed him. And and I'm talking about it from playoffs play, like from what you're doing the playoffs. Can, does he, if Philly just comes out and says, hey, we're, we need to talk with you. We're not willing to do the max, but we can give you five years for this number. Is Harden more inclined to stay or is he more, or would he go at that point? He's more inclined to stay. Because where do you You go? think so? I feel Hakeem, like what he do you has think? to prove himself at this point. Like he's done, he, he he wanted his way out of Houston, then he wanted his way out of Brooklyn. Like who's gonna want to deal with him after this and pay him? I I think that he it, I think that him and Maury will work it out to where he'll be paid enough. I mean, at the end of the day, he's back with the reason why he's James Harden. Um, and that's number one with him, but Maury focusing on wanting to go with the whole new concept of basketball around um, Harden. I, I mean, you know, Maury's not going to sit there and want to say, you know, hey, I gave up on it after a half a year. It may not be the best move, but right now I think they're kind of stuck with each other and, and they'll make something work out, even if it's not for the max. What do you guys think about? Uh, I forget who somebody mentioned this. To, I wish I could give them credit, but I heard it from somebody today um, that, you know, the past few games or a couple of the past few games, Embiid's been calling Harden out, like saying he needs him to be more aggressive offensively, this and that. Like all year long, Harden hasn't even had 20 field goals. Like, I don't know how that's going to work out. Wait, I have a question for Maxwell. I mean, not Maxwell, um, Michael. So, yeah. obviously, we're talking about how James Harden, you know, if he's going to either stay or leave. And I know he's – I think he's he has the option to make $65 million a year, right? No, it's not that much. Not 65 or 55 I think. If he was the opt-in, yeah. Uh, SP, what's his number exactly? Harden's. Do you know? Probably around 45. Or 48. I thought he was – is it 48? I thought him and Russ are the same if he was the – go back and check real quick. But, yeah, great question. We Go ahead, Zan, while we figure out that number for you. Okay. So, yeah. Um, with James – like, let's be honest. He's made his career – he's made his name. You know, I feel like at this point in his career, it's just about chasing the championship. Do you see him – Really, just really trying to stay in uh, Philly just to prove to himself and to all the uh, people around him that he's really a legend, and then he would take that pay cut just to, you know, to stay in Philly to win a ring. That's a great question, but I don't know if they're the favorite. I, I don't. I don't even know if they're 
if they even go above a top four team next year. I think where they are is where they are, in my opinion. But right. Um, so forty seven point four is his uh is his opt in uh total. Okay. And also, do you see him? And not even just the pay cut. Do you see him almost not quite like Carmelo, but being? Would do you think he would accept the role of being a third option? Uh, mm. And being more of a pass first guard than a, a scoring wing or two. Oh, it depends on who else is there. I mean, clearly, I mean, if they can see that I me mean, Harden coming, like that trade definitely helped Embiid get the MVP. He was getting the ball in better spots, etc. They were committing to uh, mentoring and one uh, that he was a big part of it, and that he could get win the MVP. So. Yeah, very good question. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm interested to see what others may think about that. But when it's time, uh, Josh, I know you wanted to. Look, I know you wanted to ask, get in here and talk about Luca real quick. Oh yeah, no, sorry. I was just. I didn't want to change the topic. I was just <laughs> trying to come up. Okay, I got you. Okay, yeah, I'll finish this out. We, we can go back. I didn't want to. Yeah, up. we we'll circle back. We'll, don't worry, it won't be long. Unfortunately, now I thought Dallas could get it last till six games, but I don't see how that's going to happen for sure. Um, yeah, it's Harden is what an interesting case because do you make the deal because you think they're going to win a ring, uh, or at least they they thought that, but then now how can you be able to fully you know evaluate because Embiid has been gone? So I think that's a Morris got some interesting decisions, and then it's a matter of okay, how do I? But do you? you were clearly under the impression that Harden was going to be different and that you bring in MDA because it's best for Harden. But why do, why do you care about that now? That's another question. Like, is Dan Tony really going to be the coach here? If they realize that Harden's not Harden anymore. Uh, I, I mean, with me seeing, I, I guess I'm a little bit different, but, just me seeing D'Antoni, D'Antoni's name as being a head coach of anywhere is just real weird. To me. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, like you said, Harden, is bad, bro. Like, I don't know if there's a coach out there that coaches to his game to make him go back to what he was. I'm not sure either. It'll be interesting to see the future on that front. Wheezy, Doc Rivers, gone for sure. If you say that, let's say this: say they get six, say they win six. I know you thought that it's most likely that Harden comes back, but say they get it to Game Six and Embiid has a, has a little comeback. Is Doc Rivers still gone? Uh, I mean. It's it's just tough. I think I I think at this point, like it still kind of feels like they've reached their ceiling with with Doc. Like, I mean, I don't know. I I mean, it's it's kind of hard because you couldn't really get there with Brett Brown. You bring in Doc Rivers, like it's sort of more of the same. Like, the East is only you know going to be more competitive. Like, I mean, I really, I mean. If they if they play better, I mean, who knows? I think I think I would say my gut feeling is that he's still probably gone, but um, I don't know. Philly's sort of like a little stuck to me. In my honest opinion. SP, were you going to dive in there? 
Yeah, like one thing which strange thing which happened with Doc was he was hired first before Moi. That generally doesn't happen, and whenever it happens, is a recipe for disaster. Like I don't know how much the ownership is stuck with Doc. Like if they're consistently seeing bad results, and if the fan base is turning on them. I don't think they have a choice but to remove him. Like, like again, Embiid is hurt. That hurts. Like, you you can't win without him. But again, some of the decisions Doc has made and some of the comments is like, like what are you saying, bro? Like, I, at least think before saying. Others don't say. Like, you're representative of an organization. Like you can't be giving dumb comments like that. Like people are not dumb. Oh yeah, in Philly, they're they're relentless over there for sure. Uh, craziness, no doubt. Uh, let's uh, start with uh, we'll we'll go around the room uh, here. And SP, we'll start with you. Uh, your favorite thing about the playoffs thus far, and then we'll go Weezy and Josh in that in that uh, order. Yeah, again. Like it's it's fun. Like you see the difference between regular season basketball and playoff basketball. The intensity, the adjustments, the the rivalries which form now. Like Golden State fans hate Memphis and vice versa, and Celtics fans who like Giannis before now hate him. Like all this, that's fun. Like it's rivalries. It's good basketball. It's fun to watch. Love it. Love it. Josh, what's been your favorite part of the playoffs? Uh, sending the Jazz home. Uh, watching Jalen Brunson score 41. Uh, that, was, that, that was amazing. I feel, like, I feel like we had the whole NBA world behind us. Uh, it, it was good. It was fun. But uh, non-Mavs related, uh, that Minnesota-Memphis series, I that, that was like meth and coke like in one. I, I would I'd want to watch like four more of those series. Which I've never tried before, Josh. Hopefully you haven't either, but carry on. <laughs> I would imagine that's what it was because that's the way those teams played. Yeah, when the Jazz lose America wins, it's a very great quote, Rob. Perfect. Yes. Weezy, what's yes. been your favorite part of the playoffs? Um, new, 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 new friend of Vernon Maxwell. Maxwell <laughs> that is. Yeah, no, my favorite part has just kind of been to see these young, these young players emerge and, and arrive. Like we talk about it a lot. Um, with some of these guys, but like to see Jason Tatum kind of come into his own and finally kind of be um, that bona fide superstar, bona fide top 10 player on both sides of the ball. Like that's been cool. Um, obviously, Giannis is dominating. Um, Luca, um, you know, obviously, we kind of just talked about how he's been uh, exposed a bit, but like at the same time, like to see him continue to, to you know, put up crazy numbers. Um, John Morant, you know, as well. I mean, there's Tyrese Maxey, like um, so many young guys that are like uh, taking the mantle. Um, you see the transition happening as, you know, LeBron is missing the playoffs and Steph is, you know, still Steph Curry, but like, you know, to a, a little bit, to a lesser extent, um, you see his decline slowly, but surely James Harden's decline. Like uh, we're, we're kind of seeing the changing of the guard here and it's it's been really fun to watch. Shout out Devin Booker also. I didn't. Uh, Devin Booker gets forgotten oh, a lot yeah. when we talk about young guys, but Devin Booker is a hell of a player too. First team All NBA, Devin Booker, no question about it, in my opinion. Uh, 
Keem, if you're there, love to hear what your favorite part of the playoffs has been outside of you winning money, my man. <laughs> yeah, I, it'll be a mix of just watching like all of these young guys. Like Max was saying, we don't have the usual suspects in the playoffs this year. So guys like Anthony Edwards, Jordan Poole, balling. I'm enjoying seeing that. And just, you know, it's pretty competitive. I don't really know who's going to win. I feel like in a lot of years past, we, we know who's going to meet up in the finals. And this year, we kind of don't. Like that. And what about you, brother? What's been your favorite part of the playoffs? Um, Just the fact that we don't know who's going to win the whole thing. I think there are multiple teams who you will not be surprised that they end up winning it. Uh, I like the Suns and the whole CP3 narrative may come to die here, but the Suns look good. Um, you know, uh, they look unstoppable. The Bucks look good. Um, like the Heat's gonna be right there, and like I, like I just feel that like Spolstra, you know, you know, always has them, you know, like locked in. And I don't think like the roster's good, but like, but like Spolstra truly gets the best out of his guys a lot, and. Um, I like Boston. I like Jason Tatum. I want Jason Tatum is a dude that is very easy to root for because because he plays so well on both ends. Uh, Jalen Brown too. Um, there 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 are just so many good teams, and I haven't even talked about Warriors Grizzlies. Grizz, Grizzlies are super young, fun team to watch. Warriors, like, even though they have the veterans who have won multiple rings, um, the younger guys you see kind of come coming up and having bigger roles in Kuminga and Poole and all those guys, uh, just to have new faces, you know, like Katie's not, not, not in it, Kyrie's not in it, LeBron's not in it, no AD, no Kawhi, no, no Paul George, and we're seeing some of the best. Uh, games and some of the best basketball that you know, and um, and of course the the viewership has gone up. I think because of that, I think people like the freshness of these playoffs, and I think that's I think that's the best part. You know, super super corny cliche, but but for me, that's it. Love it, Kim. Sean, are you back over this, brother? John fucking Morant. Of course. Of course. That, that, I think that's that's nothing wrong with three words there. Uh, Dar- and Darnell Crawfish, what's up, baby? It's <laughs> been your favorite part of the playoffs. <laughs> that man came out saying John fucking Morant. No, but I like the – I don't know. It feels like the new guard is taking over the NBA, man. Like seeing the, the young Memphis team, seeing the young Boston team. Um just seeing new faces, man. You know, for a while it was – I think there was a stat that you either saw Steph or LeBron or Kawhi in the finals like for like six or seven years straight. And so um, it's good to see new blood. Uh, I'm not the biggest Suns fan, but 
real recognize real and and they're a pretty good team um and so just seeing the the hopefully chris paul can get over that that hump i mean he's been close um a lot of times and, and hopefully the year that that he gets over it so um that's that's probably it just to you to see where the where the nba is headed you know these are the future what we're seeing right now this is the future of the league so um, I guess that will be the excitement of so far. I was, I wanted to jump in and say real quick too. I've enjoyed the commentary of players on social media, like Patrick Beverly doing his comments. Like Kyle Kuzma's been pretty active throughout the playoffs. LeBron even has been, you know, very like active on social media. Like I'm kind of enjoying hearing players' thoughts about the games as they happen, and then of course like afterwards as well like there's been a lot of like social media activity in these playoffs i think more than in past years hey ml can, can i say something i don't like oh yeah i mean we, uh, absolutely brother. say bob okay. Uzi, <laughs> say bob uh <laughs> bob yeah bob, uh, i don't know if you, i don't know if you guys saw but last night there was 55 foul calls in the in the phoenix uh dallas game mm. and uh, i know that's that's one of many games that were uh Reft particularly um, tight. Like I think the Boston and, and Net series had multiple games over forty fouls called. I, I really hate these refs and, and what they're doing to the game. I think it's ruining the product. John, you wanted to come up. This obviously is well. We're about to wrap the show. Did you have any? Would you want to talk about your favorite part of the playoffs thus far? Nah, John said he out, bro. Hey, reminded me of that meme. Uh, with the brother who was ghosted, he came up, he came in, they gave the peace sign, and he bounced. Yeah, Josh said he was good. He said, You about to wrap this up? All right, bet. Yeah, he goes, I doubt. Uh, I was about to get off my thesis. <laughs> nah, it's good. He's all right. Uh, I ain't, you know what? I'm gonna put you in the spot. I want to have it. I'm not, we're not gonna do it today. Uh, obviously, it's through the evening, but I, Maxwell brought up a good point about. The players and former players. And you know what's probably helped is that shit. Like <laughs> LeBron is home and KD ain't got nothing else to do because all he does is like to play basketball, except, you know, with Kyrie Irving or Kyrie Irving doesn't like playing basketball with him. Um, or and if he did, they could figure it out. But, and I ain't calling Kyrie Irving a martyr. That's for damn sure. But uh, I actually want to talk about the social media engagement, but then also really cool to see how folks really jump to JJ Reddick's. Uh, like praise and whatnot, black, white, yellow, green, everybody. Uh, maybe that could be a topic that we talk about like in the morning on, on some like random. You sure? Yeah, but I was gonna say, if you do get into it, can you give the background on what it was that um, JJ was responding to? Because I saw what JJ said, but I missed what was said before that, and I think that context is important. Yeah, it was just, it was just, you know, someone speaking about a whole bunch of old head stuff, the whole shut up and dribble thing, like, I, I, I don't want to listen to this. Da, 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 da. And then Jay, Who was he referring yeah, to? I, I missed that part. He was, he so was what happened was he was, he was talking about Draymond and sort of like, just like not only that si- the situation with him, I think they were talking about like his reaction to the fans. Like So they were booing him or whatever when he got injured and then he like gave the finger to the fans. And I think he was just kind of like, talking about that and he brought up all, all the other times that Draymond has been in you know altercations or spats or whatever 
and then he, I think he was like specifically saying like for Draymond to shut up and play. Um, but like even even if he was like just talking about Draymond, which I can kind of like understand the frustration with Draymond. Like I can't stand Draymond either. But like that's that that language and that like sentiment is still problematic, which is kind of what JJ was referring to. But like it, it was literally just because um, what's his name, Chris? I've, I don't, I don't want to call a grown man Mad Dog. That's nah, stupid. But um, Rick, Russo. it's Chris Russo. Chris Russo. Okay. Yeah, like I was he's call Chris to get that. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 ridiculous. Is he first take regular? I've never seen that guy. Is he like a first take like like beat? You you from guy? the south? You so you from the south, Jay? Yeah, he, 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 Russo he is Russo used to be on. I mean, obviously, there's like there's Mad Dog Sports Radio, but like he is a staple in New York sports radio. Yeah, I'm about to say, I'm about to New York. Yeah, because I, I just like the clip I saw on Twitter was just JJ going off, and I was like, who the fuck is he talking to? <laughs> I just missed that whole context. You, and when you said you sure, are you saying you want to talk about it tonight or I mean or you don't want to talk about it at all? I'm down for all right, it. I'm gonna tell you because I like I know you going because I think there's gonna be some more conversation about NIL and commitments tomorrow based upon some uh things I heard. So maybe it could be nice to get you not talking about college until it's time and you have all your thoughts. Maybe yeah, you know what we're gonna do that tomorrow. We're gonna do it tomorrow. Yeah, I think, I think it'd be fun to talk about it tomorrow. What and time? People that just randomly come up. What time? Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, I'll text you. What time? Yeah, I'll text you. Um, Want to obviously make sure Walker gets in his practicing, uh, gets his sleeps in, so we can figure that out. I, I'd prefer <laughs> Amp to talk tomorrow because I won't be available to hear it tomorrow. <laughs> Damn. Oh man, this is gonna be brutal if Jabra either gets through the Warriors or it's gonna be sad for Sean because he is gonna get blown up. Hey, hey, they won they won miss layup away from being a duo. Hey. One miss layup. Hey, <laughs> yeah, hey, all right. hey, uh, if if the Grizzlies do go home, at least Ant will have another NBA player active on social media. <laughs> we can count on that. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I know, man. Yeah, he's got nothing to do. <laughs> Especially when he lose. Mm. Hey, I kind of want to see what's going to happen with, with Dion if, if Golden State lose, bro. And, and before we wrap up, I just wanted to I just wanted to go back on the on the whole Luca getting shaped thing. <laughs> just 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 for posterity purposes, I I know he needs to get in shape. That's obviously something he needs to work on. But uh, he's literally the only guy who's capable of doing anything on the court right now for this team. And asking him to guard Booker and CP in a pick and roll. On fifty straight possessions, like he would, any any player would deteriorate with the load he was carrying. So, it, yeah, but he was a cone from the first. No, he play. was not. No, he was not. Like that's that's not true. He, he played cone. Yeah, he was a cone. No, he was not. He plays he he played he, solid defense for the first sorry, three quarters. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. He was a chair. <laughs> no, you got to go back and watch. No, mm-hmm. he, no, he was he plays good defense until he 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 wears down. Like I mean. He got tired. Like, I've seen him all season. He plays great defense, but in the fourth quarter, he can wear down just because his usage rate is too high. Part of that's on him. Part of that's on just the limitations of this roster. I have never heard the words great defense and Luka put together before. Oh, well, then you, need, you should watch him some, sometime because he's, he's better than a lot of these guards that are, that are in the playoffs right now. 
If he gets his normal rest, like if he if he got to sit down and watch Booker, like if he got to sit down and watch a Booker equivalent teammate go cook while he can get some rest and then come back on the court, he's he's actually a, a decent defender. Oh, brother. But, I mean, Jalen Brunson scoring nine buckets and, and getting eight personal fouls this series, that's that's not good enough. Yeah, we got to chill on that because I, I, the numbers don't show that. But I will chill on my Luka agenda till it is time. There will be time. What? Yeah. What? The numbers don't show what? That he's not a good defender? I, it's it, – the numbers – I don't film, even think he's the rewatch. I don't even, I don't even think he's an average defender, Josh. I, like that's it's pretty bad. <laughs> like the, the numbers, the film, the rewatch, the and I, I can I can I can show you some clips of him dinging up Kawhi from last year in the playoffs. I can show you some where he he blocked Booker early in this game, this this other game the other day. Um, no, he I know he's not a hundred percent healthy. If you could point out when he was good on defense, no, that's a no, part he of the is problem. good. I'm, okay, let me rephrase. He's not good. He's 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 passable. He's a passable defender. Like on the in, on the spectrum mm. of Mavs defenders, like Jalen Brunson, he's not a good defender. Uh, We're uh, not talking about Mavs defenders. We're talking about as comparison <laughs> with the top ten player in the world, in which right now he may be top five. Josh, I'm a no. Luca fan, and it's like. No, but you guys are acting like what we saw defender. last night in the fourth quarter is who he is every other quarter of every other game, and that's not true. That's not who he is on defense. So Luca is not food on defense. No, he's not. Okay. I mean, like he can't guard Dame or John Morant, but I don't know many guys that can. But he can actually guard, like you know, he can guard basically any three through five almost, and you know, some of the slower twos. So it's the quick guys he can't guard, obviously, but not many can. Ja can't guard Dame. Dame can't guard Ja. Nobody can guard anybody. He's got Magic Johnson <laughs> syndrome. He can't guard anybody fast. Mm-mm. Well, no, I mean, he's, he's a 6'8 <laughs> guy. Like, there's not many 6'8 guys that can guard 6'1 guards. Like, it's just not, it's not in, you know, that's just physics. <laughs> Unless you're LeBron James and then you defy physics. But, hey, and. You started Bobby Hurley. What about Kuzi? <laughs> but yeah, no, it's just if, if he, needs, he needs to offload some of the offensive load so he can pick it up on D because his teammates aren't doing it on either end either. Akeem, you had a question real quick. Uh, well, who, who are these top 10 players? Maybe for either of you guys, who are the top 10 players on the list? Oh, no, we can't get into that discussion right now, kid. Yeah, bro. Jack Harlow just dropped, bro. I got I to gotta run. Y'all have a good day. <laughs> yeah, we got to Because we go have the Jack Harlow text. We got to have those takes here pretty soon, bro. We get, actually, Weezy, we have to text me as oh, soon as you know if the Drake, if the Drake song didn't change. Oh, uh, yeah, thanks I'm, for joining I'm, episode 24, y'all. Yeah. yeah, you know exactly where I'm at on that. Thanks for joining episode 24, Chaos and Conversation. Uh, thank you, Ant, Key, Weezy, Siobhan, Josh. Mr. Crawfish Porter in the house, and of course the one and only Sean Coleman, uh, and everybody else who's able to come up uh, tonight. And appreciate, uh, obviously, anytime we get some of the Spotify verified guys and uh, other people in the chat. You guys are great too. Uh, I think we're gonna. Hey, I'm gonna text and we'll let them know when we have an interview and discussion with them tomorrow about some of this, you know, mainstream media and conversation about how this the tone, the undertones and commentary that we have and hope people can uh, be able to check out. And I think uh, Ant is going to be busy every day this weekend, in fact, uh, from what I am 
hearing as well. So thank you, everybody, for joining. Talk soon. Take care. And uh, enjoy the rest of the NBA playoffs this weekend. Wait, the NBA playoffs are going on? Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Emil. Appreciate it.